Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pod MD studio, Dr. Tonya Mazzini. Dr. Tonya Mazzini is a sexual health physician committed to improving women's health. Tonya has a special interest in menopause and hormonal concerns, chronic pelvic and vulval pain, vulval dermatology, and complex contraceptive choices, amongst other things. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of premenstrual syndrome, or PMS. We do hope you enjoy this podcast, but please remember that the advice here is of a general nature. It's not intended as specific advice about a given patient. The views and opinions expressed here in this podcast are those of the doctor and not PodMD. If you do have a patient on whom you require specific advice, then please seek advice from a colleague with appropriate expertise in that area. Tonya, thank you very much for talking with us today on PodMD. Thanks for inviting me, Amelia. The topic of today's discussion is premenstrual syndrome, or PMS. So, Tonya, can you describe for our listeners what PMS actually is? Okay, so it covers a range of physical or somatic as well as psychological or mood concerns that occur for women in the second half of their cycle. We know that the menstrual cycle is broken up into two distinct halves. So the first part of the cycle is pre-ovulation, The second half of the cycle is post-ovulation and with that ovulation, so the release of an egg, the hormones fluctuate and that in conjunction with some fluctuation in neurotransmitters, so brain chemicals, can cause a range of symptoms for women that cover everything from low mood, tearfulness, irritability, anxiety, difficulty concentrating as the psychological side effects or experiences and then the physical symptoms can range from fluid retention to bloating to breast pain to headaches and this is a very common experience for women something like 75 to 95 percent of women will experience some degree of these changes across their reproductive lifespan. Okay so it appears that most women will have had some of those symptoms so what is the worst case scenario for PMS? The worst case scenario for PMS is a variation of the syndrome called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And this is where those physical and psychological changes impact significantly on a woman's life and interfere with her ability to function. So the mood concerns, the physical concerns are so severe that it impacts on relationships, it impacts on your ability to function at work, to be able to study, you know, to live your life as you need to, according to you know the responsibilities that you have. It's a well-documented and described syndrome that has even been acknowledged in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual version 5, which we call the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic criteria that we use as per the American Psychiatric Association. So this is this is a well-recognised and documented phenomenon for women. And why do some women suffer with PMS and some don't? Well, that's an interesting question and it's been a focus of research for the last five to ten years and traditionally it's thought to be all due to fluctuating levels of hormones and particularly progesterone and its metabolites. But more recently, we've come to understand that it's not just the fluctuating hormones, it's how they interact with neurotransmitters such as serotonin 
so that there's it's almost like a, a, a perfect storm combination you've got fluctuating hormone levels and you've got an underlying serotonin deficiency and those two things combined together give us the pms the premenstrual dysphoric disorder and it explains the degree of ser- severity across the spectrum of, of presentations so that's why our treatments are often designed to to tackle the problem from both approaches and it can be that using the oral contraceptive pill combined with a low dose SSRI either throughout the duration of the month or the cycle or just in the second half of the cycle which we call intermittent or luteal phase dosing can be a very effective strategy. Right so what can a GP do for a patient that comes to them presenting with what looks like PMS? Well, the most important thing is to listen to the woman's concerns and to take them seriously because so often women will say to me, I went to my GP, you know, and they said, well, you know, this is just normal. You just have to put up with it because you're a woman. That's not a very helpful strategy. What we need to be able to do is understand what's going on for the woman, understand why she's presenting at this particular point in time, because it might be that it's pointing to something more sinister going on in her in her life and the reason why she's presenting for care. It can be very useful for GPs to ask a woman to chart her mood and physical concerns over two or three months to try and identify the pattern, because it's really important that with PMS or premenstrual dysphoric disorder, that people understand it really only happens in the second half of the cycle. If those mood or physical concerns are happening in the first part of a woman's cycle, so in the first two weeks after a period, then it's probably something else that's going on. And that something else might be a generalised depressive illness, it might be generalised anxiety, it might be first manifestation of bipolar affective disorder. So pinning down the symptoms allows us to have an accurate diagnosis. And as we know, we can have no appropriate treatment without an accurate diagnosis. So clearing the uh, understanding of what's going on is hugely important. Explaining to the woman what's going on with the menstrual cycle so that the education helps to reassure and also then excluding any other medical problems that might be impacting. We need to make sure that women are not anemic or having issues with their thyroid function and also making sure that there's not something else going on in the woman's life that might be impacting on her you know need to present now and one of the things that you know GPs particularly because you know they're the front line of our healthcare service is they need to be cognizant of women presenting with emotional concerns or physical concerns related to intimate partner violence and sometimes this is the way that people present. Right. So you've told us a little bit about what does work and what a, what a GP should be looking for. Is there anything in there that just does not work for PMS? Unfortunately, the list of things that doesn't work is quite long. Um, and what that tells us is that there have been a lot of things that people have tried, but a lot of research that's also shown us that overall these things don't work. So there have been various hormonal supplements suggested, evening primrose oil, alternative or naturopathic treatments such as homeopathy, um, high-dose vitamin supplements, reflexology, chiropractic treatment, all of these things have been found, unfortunately, to not significantly impact on PMS or premenstrual dysphoric disorder. 
there is always some placebo effect with absolutely anything that we prescribe and that placebo effect can be as great as something like 30%. So some women will say, yes, well, I do feel a little bit better when I take this particular herbal concoction. But we need to be mindful, particularly for women who have other medical conditions or are taking other medications, that these herbal supplements can interact um, and put additional strain on the liver. So just because something is natural or sold in, in a supermarket or in a health food store doesn't mean that it doesn't have some consequence. And it's really important that we take women's concerns with PMS seriously and prescribe according to the best evidence that we have. And is there any other advice for women with PMS? It seems to be tricky to navigate. So is there a role for lifestyle interventions in there? Being aware of your menstrual cycle and how that impacts on your well-being over the course of the month is the first step. Being mindful of of eating healthily. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've all had the experience of, you know, feeling like chocolate is the solution to all of our problems. Um, and while in the short term that might provide some relief, the fluctuations in blood sugar levels uh, then negatively impact on your levels of fatigue and irritability. So a small amount of chocolate is fine, but half a block is really not going to make anything better being mindful of not having too much salt as well. So, you know, eating chocolate and then a bag of chips, this is all something that we've done and not something that's good for anyone. Regular exercise is hugely important and there is actually evidence to back this up. We know that women who exercise regularly um, do better when we're evaluating their mood, their sleep, their emotional ability. So regular exercise, healthy diet, And sleep. Sleep is so important for our emotional continence. So many women that I see, busy working professionals, try to get by with six hours of sleep and it's not enough. We really do need closer to seven to eight to be able to function at our best. Well, there goes my chocolate consumption justification. Well, you can have a little bit, but you can't have a lot. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. So when should a GP be referring then? Look, I think it depends on the level of expertise and the comfort that the GP has with being able to prescribe treatments. So the treatments for premenstrual dysphoric syndrome for PMS include ovulation suppression. So that can be as simple as the oral contraceptive pill, or it can be as complex as completely suppressing ovulation with drugs like Zolodex, which stop women from ovulating. That then needs to be combined with ADVAC hormonal therapy. So that's a much more complex scenario. And when I'm prescribing Zolodex to to suppress ovulation, I like to make sure that I've also had support from a mental health professional such as a psychologist or a psychiatrist to support women through that process. So depending on the level of your, you know, comfort and expertise with suppressing hormones and manipulating hormonal symptoms as well as then also your experience with prescribing and managing SSRIs, which are part of the treatment to deal with that serotonin deficiency. And number one, I think, is how much time you've got to allow in a consult and how often you can review people to to keep an eye on their progress through this because it can be quite complex. Fantastic, Tonya. Well, thank you very much for coming here today into the Pot and Day studio. To sum up for us, can you just tell us three key take-home messages on PMS? Okay, so I'd say number one is 
absolutely normalize, validate and educate women so that they can understand what's going on. And I always say this when I'm talking to medical students as well. We reassure patients by providing a cogent explanation for people's symptoms. One of the things that happens with the internet is there's so much information out there for people and it's often conflicting that that can confuse people and make them even more anxious. So a really good and clear explanation of what the menstrual cycle is, how your hormones change, how that interacts with serotonin is the first step. Then I think we need to be realistic with women about what we can offer in terms of treatment. So we need to explain the risks and benefits of ovulation suppression, the various forms of oral contraceptive pills that we could use, and then also the pros and cons of using various SSRIs to support their serotonin function. And then I think finally, we need to be really mindful that we are offering the very best in evidence-based medicine. And if the evidence tells us that naturopathic treatments don't produce a significant change, then we need to be open in our discussions with that about women and talk to them you know, about options that are going to be the most helpful for them. I think it's incredibly frustrating for women to keep trying things that are not going to work because the longer they suffer with these symptoms, the more they have an impact on their everyday life and their ability to function. Fantastic, Tonya. Well, thank you very much for sharing your insights today. I know I've learned a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. 